Um, just a, a quick recap of where we are in our series. Um, no matter what, we have, um, again, it's kind of when I, I talk about a topic, probably more than you want to hear about the topic. Um, and to this point, we've talked about following the right person. We've talked about being full of the right power. We've talked about being focused on the right priorities. We've talked about how knowing who matters the most can help us stand no matter what in good times and in hard times. And so today we're going to be looking at um, some words that, that a mentor wrote to his students. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy. This is something that Paul, who was the mentor, wrote to Timothy, who was his mentoree. The other person who was learning from the mentor is what we'll call him today. Student, thank you so much. And somehow the way you said it made me feel like an idiot for not knowing right away that I should have just, of course, of course it's student, duh. Let's just read quickly what he wrote and then we'll talk through it. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 says, for this reason, and we'll get to the reasons in just a minute, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So it's, it's Father's Day, right? Let me get a big... <laughs> I think I heard female voices in there, actually. It's a little scary. A lot of testosterone in the building today. Um, so we're talking today about one thing that men love, fueling fires, right? Um, as a matter of fact, this makes me think back to my very, one of my very first youth groups, when I had the brilliant idea that I would allow the students to do video announcements. This was back before, you know, camcorders were really cool. They were still kind of big. But I had a couple guys, and they weren't sure about Jesus, but they were positive about the idea of video announcements. And so I never quite knew. I wasn't smart enough to preview the videos before we showed them. So I would just, we would just show them when he's going, yes, my husband's an idiot and always has been. Um, but... Two that come to mind. One, this, and this was the last one that they ever did, was the video announcement that had lots of cussing in it because they were making fun of their Sunday school teacher who had cussed during the lesson. But she didn't mean to. They did. So that was the end of video announcements. But the one prior to that was when they loaded up as many dry Christmas trees as they could possibly find, poured as much gas on those dry Christmas trees as they could find, and lit it on fire. And it was awesome, you know. I mean, this was before Tom Hanks was dancing around the fire going, fire, I, fire, I created fire. You know, this is before that. They were like, yeah, we made fire. You know, it's awesome. Guys love it. What is up with guys? We just love, okay, put a little more gas on that fire. Have another, another log on the fire. We just love fire. So we're going to talk about that this morning, which is good. We're going to talk about one more thing that maybe doesn't seem quite as appropriate. We're going to talk about fear. Because all of us know that real men are afraid of nothing. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Real men are afraid of stuff. Um, we, we'll get into some of the things I'm afraid of. And at the end of this message, you may decide that I'm actually not a real man. And it, it is possible. But just for right now... At the top of your sheet, just write this down on your blank. When we fuel the right passions, we're able to overcome fear. 
When we fuel the right passions, we're able to overcome fear. Now, some of you have a sheet of paper that has one, two, three, and some of you have a sheet of paper that says four, five, six. The ones of you that have four, five, six, you didn't miss anything. It's just a mistake on my part, and it's just one, two, three, okay? So don't, I don't want you sitting the whole time going, when's he going to say the first three? What's going on? It's just one, two, three. When we fuel the right passions, we're able to overcome fear. So here's a couple of phobias that you may never have heard of. See if you can guess what they are. Amnesia phobia. No, it's the fear of amnesia. It's the fear of amnesia. The good thing is if you've got it, you won't remember you got it, right? <laughs> That's good. Um, amicophobia. It's the fear of Mickey Mouse. That was a good guess. Actually, no, it's the fear of scratches or being scratched. Which is okay if you have that, if you also have this one. Electrophobia. No, that's the fear of chickens. So if you have the fear of chickens, then you would stay away from them and you would not get scratched. See how those two go together? So sometimes maybe it's good to pair some of these fears together. Um, apyrophobia. Scared of fire. Who says scared of fire? Actually, you're wrong. It's the fear of infinity. So I don't want to blow your mind, but I will say this. There were many nights growing up that I would get out of bed, I would walk in and just, like, stand next to my mom while she was sleeping. And she would wake up, you know, like, parents, you've had this happen. You'd kind of wake up and see them there. It kind of startled you. And she'd say, Paul, what's wrong? And I, I would say this to my mom. Literally, mom, I'm laying in bed. I'm thinking about forever, and it is blowing my mind. Can you just come rub my head so I'll fall asleep? You know? So a poss possibly I have a pyrophobia. I don't know. Fear of infinity. I don't want to think about that forever. Um, here's a fear that every student has. Bibliophobia. And that's the fear of... Did somebody say light sockets? No. Fear of books. Fear of books. Bibliophobia. It's a fear. And even if they're not afraid of it, they tell you that I can't... I really want to study, but I... I've got bibliophobia. I'm scared of books. Um, decidophobia. It's the fear of making decisions. Good. Y'all kind of hesitated. You're scared to jump in there and make that decision. Should I say it? Should I not? A lot of decidophobia. Here's, here's a, a couple last ones. Nauseophobia or nociophobia is the fear of knowledge, which you don't have to worry about that if you have bibliophobia. Because you're not going to be reading books and you're going to be dumb as rocks, right? Um, hippophobia. That was a great, great guess. And wouldn't you think it would be that? It's actually the fear of horses. I don't know why. Horses sounds like hippos. And here's my absolute favorite phobia on the planet. If I can just say it, here we go. Hippo monstrosa equipedalophobia. It is the fear of long words. Isn't that a hilarious? Somebody, somebody had the brilliant idea. People that are scared of words, really long words, let's make it a really long label and tell them that the, you've got hippomonstrosoquipedalophobia. <gasps> Freak them out, really long words. At first glance, we could ask the question, why so much talk about fear, right? Because we read the verse, first, 2 Timothy 1.6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan and flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And there's not any mention of fear anywhere in there. 
But the command that Paul's given to Timothy is all about context. And so here, if you read that context, here's what you'll find. Verse 4, he says to him, I recall your tears. A lot of people believe that that was from a, a goodbye that they had in Acts when Paul's saying, look, I'm probably not going to see you again. Lots of people are crying. Um, men, let's just talk to the men for a second. If you've ever been trained by another person to do a job, it's you kind of have a comfort level, don't you? They're with you, training you. You know that if you screw up, they're probably going to fix it. But what happens when they say, okay, I think you're ready. See ya. There's this thing on the inside that it's like you just, your chest gets a little tight. Oh, God, what, what was it? The blue wire or the red wire? Which one? one which one's going to blow the building up? And which one? You, you kind of have this fear. A lot of that is what's going on here. Paul says, I remember your fears. This is the letter that he's writing to somebody that he has prepared for ministry and then has put in ministry and said, you can do it. Right? So there's a little bit of fear going on there. What does he say after he says, hey, for this reason, because... I know you've been afraid, but I know you have a gift in you, verse 5. And for this reason, fan into flame that gift, because in verse 7 he says, For God did not give you a spirit of fear. My Bible says timidity. Let's go with fear. And then it says in verse 8, So don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord. This is all about fear. Fear is all around this passage. So before we even start to learn about the things that fear can do, let, let's just do this. Let's establish some ground-level truths. One, fear is real. Would you agree? Oh, not good. Let's try again. That was when you are supposed to be like, yeah. Ready? Fear is real. Yeah. That's ground rule number one. Ground rule number two, fear is not from God. Can I get an Amen. And we know that for a fact because of verse 7. God did not give you a spirit of fear. So a lot of people, they try to pretend like they're not afraid, but they really are because they don't want to dishonor God. But fear is real. He just didn't give it to you. Okay? Fear is real. He did not give it to you. And we're going to look at three things that fear does, and then we'll tie them all together. Um, keep your finger here, and then also... Flip over to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to go back and forth between those two quite a bit today. First thing that fear does. Fear derails us. Obviously, when we get derailed, it's ugly. On my first trip to India, we went on a, like, it's like a five-hour drive to go see the Taj Mahal. And when you're over there, they're like, it's a really long drive, but you got to go because it's Taj Mahal. So you go, and then you tell yourself you'll never go again. It's a really long drive. And halfway through the drive, we started getting, like, people were getting phone calls and text messages from people back in the States saying, are y'all okay? Are you okay? And we were like, what's, yeah, we're fine. We were bored out of our minds on this four-and-a-half-hour drive to the Taj Mahal, but, you know, it's, we're okay. The rickshaws are kind of weird, but we're good. Come to find out, we passed this huge train wreck that was actually on CNN back home. And, you know, it's like I'm from the south, so when I used to hear New York, that just meant New York City. Like I never knew there was, like, places you could drive eight hours north of New York and still be in New York. I just New York is New York City. And for a lot of times you hear India, and India is just wherever the people you love are. 
And so they're calling us going, Have you, I mean, were you on the train? Are you, are, you, are you okay? The thing made national news, and we saw it. I mean, it was just like cars everywhere. It was a disaster. Fear would like to derail you. It's what fear does. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. That word for entangles literally means to skillfully surround. So everybody say ninja. That's what fear's like. Fear's like this ninja. They're just slowly, skillfully surrounding you. It gets a hold of you. It grips you. It doesn't want to let go. If you've ever seen somebody really afraid, then you can relate to how you can watch fear literally take over their face. Can't you? It just changes everything about them. Here's a great example of how fear can grab a hold of your heart and never let you go. When I was on a family reunion, we went on a horseback riding trip, the whole family, and we're not horseback riders at all. But my dad, being the, the man that he was, said, we don't need a guide. We'll be good. We're just going to go along the little trail in the woods. And so we did. We all got on our horses, and my dad started leading the way, and everybody started going and going, and my horse didn't move. He just sat there. And so I'd seen cowboy movies, right? I knew what you do, and I said, giddy up. <laughs> He's not moving. Yeah, and you know I went there, right? I went a little bit louder. went, giddy up. Nothing. And by the, my, I mean, I'm seeing like the horse butts getting smaller and smaller in the distance, and I'm freaking out. I'm about eight years old. I'm really freaked here, okay? And so I did the only thing I knew to do. It. It's just what you said. I took my feet and I went, giddy up! And phew, he took off. I mean, he was flying. I caught my family in a hurry and left them in a hurry. My, I think my horse was demon-possessed. Like, I think I heard him going, <laughs> as he's taking me and he goes and then suddenly he just veers off the path. And he finds this tree that he really, really likes. And he just starts going in circles around the tree. And I'm like slowly going to the side. And I'm holding on for dear life. And I got my legs wrapped around. And I am freaking out like calling on Jesus the whole deal. Finally, my dad catches up, grabs that, the reins, pulls it tight, and put me back on his horse. And we like took the demon-possessed horse somewhere. And I hope they shot him and made it glue. It was horrible. I was a little scared, right? But, you know, you're thinking you're eight years old. Everybody has a bad experience on horses. Just, you know, most are on, a fair, on like a merry-go-round. Mine was real. So five years later or whatever, we're at another family reunion. This time we're in Montana, not the home of people that don't like horses, Right? And so like, this is my mom's side of the family, and they're all into the outdoors, and they're all girls, and you don't want to be shown up. And they just said, let's go horseback riding. Yippee. 
And so we did. And I mean, I'm like, I'm in seventh grade, and I'm doing, I'm, I'm, learn, I'm, I'm old enough to know how to like, you know, kind of get yourself prepared. Like, it's just a horse, it's just a horse, it's just a horse. You're a, you're a seventh grader, all 87 or whatever pounds of you, and, you know, and you can do this. And I mean, I was psyched, I was pumped, I was ready until they sat me on the horse. Now, the picture here is Montana, beautiful mountains, blue sky. All my girl cousins are on their horses, and they're holding the little strap bridle things that don't actually work, and they're ready to go. And I am sitting on the horse crying. Horse is not moving. He's just standing there. And I am crying like a girl in front of girls. And I had to get down off the horse. I mean, I couldn't go. I mean, I was petrified. If, and we're not doing it today, if someone brought a horse in here right now, I would be rebuking every evil spirit that you could possibly call on. I would say to that horse, get behind me, Satan. Way behind me. I mean, I would, if you could put me on a horse in front of you, I could possibly cry like a girl. I don't think I would, but it's possible. And what you're thinking right now is, and this is our pastor, the mighty man of God? Fear derails us. It grips us. That's the first thing that fear can do. To this day, my knuckles would get white around the horse. Now, I do go on, like, you know, stationary. Like at Walmart, I would get on that horse and I'd be okay, right? <laughs> I can do that. Number two, fear distracts us. We're told in Hebrews chapter 2 that we're supposed to run looking at Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That word fix literally means, I want you to get this, okay? We talk about Greek words all the time in meanings, but I want you to get this. This is important. That Greek word fix doesn't mean fix dinner it doesn't mean the southern, you're like, I'm fixing to, right? It doesn't mean that. It means, literally, to turn your eyes from one thing and put them on another. So, I'm going to fix my eyes on Tyler, right? That's what it means. Fix your eyes on Jesus intentionally, on purpose. My, my, make a decision to take your eyes off of one thing and put them on Jesus, that's why when fear becomes full-blown, our mental capacities start to fail us, don't they? That's why you watch scary movies and you scream at the TV, Don't go in the basement! But they go. I'm like, don't go in the empty house without a flashlight. But they go. Call for backup! But they don't. Now, it's... We say that, right, because we know that's a movie. But I can tell you this. If you're really, really scared, I mean really petrified, out of your mind, you will do stupid things. Because fear distracts us. It makes one thing look so much bigger. It just takes over. I can stand here all day long and tell myself, 
I am a man, I am a man, I am a man. God created me and told me to have dominion over a horse. That is a horse. I am a man, that is a horse. Get on it. It's, it's like it's a mental fight. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's so easy for us to give in to fear. It really is. It's so easy for us to become distracted and just decide, you know what, I'm just going to, I think I'm going to keep focusing on this. Write this down under number two. We miss the obvious because we're distracted by the ominous. We miss the obvious because we're distracted by the ominous. All that really means is we miss what we know because we're distracted by what we fear. That's all it means. What we fear becomes so big it blocks out what we know. And listen, here's how we know this is true. We could do a little test right now, and I could say, is God bigger than fill in the blank? And you would say, yeah. Is God bigger than? You'd say, yeah. Like, is God bigger than your checkbook? Let's try it. Group, group exercise. Is God bigger than your checkbook? Is God bigger than your bills? But the next time you get to the end of the month and you don't have enough money to pay the bills, guess what happens? You become distracted by what you fear. Oh, I might lose. I might lose my house. I might lose this. I might. What if they come and put me in jail? We become so. No, I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying we become so distracted by that, the ominous, the unknown, that we lose sight of what's obvious. That God is bigger than anything. See how that works? Fear distracts us. Um, let me give you an example. Um, again, you can make fun of me. So you already know that I'm scared of horses. I also have to say that I am 100% afraid of mice. 100%. Like if um, what? <laughs> She's mocking me, and and it's good that you are, because I'm a man. Again, I get it totally. I'm a man, and I'm a, I'm afraid of mice. And if a mouse ran across, don't even think about. Do not even think about next week bringing a mouse. I'm telling you right now. I know some of you. I know how your minds work. You're just like. If we just got 10 people to bring a mouse and just set them free, <laughs> I'd be like, wow! <laughs> if a mouse ran across right now, I would be on top of this. It turns, and I would be holding on for dear life, hoping I don't fall. I'd probably fall into that TV, break it. We'd be out a lot of money from one mouse. And you know what's so funny about that? It's a mouse. It's a mouse. So we miss the obvious, like little mouse, big man, or kind of big man, for the ominous. And see, here's what gets me all the time. I'm just never sure what's behind the beady eyes. I mean, I know, how many of you think mice are cute? Raise your hand. Yeah. But see, for me, I look at the eyes, and I'm like, I know there's a demon in there. And if I get close to it, the mouse is going to suddenly like get really big and eat me. I mean, I'm just, I don't know what it is. It makes no sense up in here, right? But I really am afraid. Sometimes we get distracted by the ominous. When we were living in Lake Wiley in a mobile home, I was sound asleep one night, and um, my cat brought me a present in the bed next to me. And I was petting my cat in the bed next to me just because, you know, you're half asleep. I'm like, oh, hey, there's, there's, a, there's the cat. And something was sticky and warm and, ugh, you know, and I, 
I sat up and turned on the bedside light and it was a, a mouse <laughs> next to me in the bed. Dead bleeding. I mean, it was dead, right? You know, so I mean, like, the, what does the rational mind do? The rational mind gets up, says, hey, look at that. The cat was a cat, killed a mouse, and that's awesome. And I'm going to go get a you know, paper towel, and we're going to take care of the mouse that's dead, can't hurt me, and I'm going to go back to sleep. But the fearful mind throws off the comforter, everything, with a big old, <laughs> and like mouse is flying somewhere. We don't know where it landed, and pillows are everywhere. And Wendy's sitting up going, what? Who's breaking in the house? Nothing, nothing, baby. Just just go back to sleep. It was an intruder. I took care of it. <laughs> you know, and then it's time to go go clean up the mouse. And so what, do I get one paper towel? No, I get like, you know, enough to make a ball and pick the mouse up and take it out. You know, it's just, I'm just, it's irrational. It's irrational. But what I want you to understand is fear is real. It's not from God. It is real. And it derails us. I mean, I know that God's will for my life is not to be a grown man that's scared of horses and mice. It can distract us. It makes us fear what we don't know, and it makes us miss what we do know. God is bigger than blank. I am actually bigger than a mouse. Don't let fear distract you. What are you afraid of? Failure? Being abandoned? Rejection? the boogeyman. <laughs> in order to overcome the fear in your life, you've got to understand the third thing that fear does. So fear derails us. Fear distracts us. But the good news is that fear disappears in the light. I don't know what it is. I don't know why things seem scarier at nighttime. Everything seems scary at night. Shadows dance on the walls. They make different shapes. and aren't even remotely close to what they are. Like dreams seem more real at night. The unknown never seems to be a good thing. We don't imagine good things happening. Like it, when you're laying in your bed at night, you don't sit there and think, what if my friend's just busting the door right now with a party for me? No, you're sitting there going, what if somebody breaks in and they've got a gun and, and they come to my house oh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. We never imagine good things, right? But in the daytime, in the morning, all that goes away. Something about light drives fear away. and That's what the author tells us to do. Verse 2, it says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And in verse 3, it says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The word consider literally means to ponder, to think over, to carefully investigate. For our purposes today, here's what it means. Bring some light to the situation. Nobody investigates in the dark. Well, <laughs> unless you're like CSI. You got those cool like blue light things. But nobody investigates in the dark. When it's time to investigate something, we turn the lights on. We bring it into the light to get a closer look. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Hey, Run. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Intentionally take your eyes off of the things that scare you and put them on the person that you know. Consider carefully him who endured. Bring everything into the light. And who is the light? It's Jesus. John chapter 9, verse 5, says that he is the light of the world. And the greater his light is in us, the less the darkness around us is able to amplify our fears. 
Fear wants to derail you. It wants to distract you. The good news is that fear disappears in the light. So what does all this mean? How does it relate to 2 Timothy 1.6? Let's wrap up there. Paul says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Basically, here's what Paul's saying to Timothy with the three truths that we just talked about. He says, fear, listen, Paul, fear wants to derail you as a leader. He says, Timothy, I've, I've trained you, I've equipped you, I've mentored you, now you're the leader. And fear wants to derail you. It'll try to distract you from what matters the most. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to fan into flame. Make the light shine brighter and brighter, the gift, the grace in you, so that fear will disappear because God didn't give you fear. He gave you Jesus. Make that light as big as it possibly could be. The phrase fan into flame, it means to reactivate, and it also means to keep on fanning. It is not a one-time decision. It is an intentional, everyday event. Every now and then you'll see movies where they, I think the day after tomorrow has a scene like this. You know, it's cold. Everybody's starting to freeze to death. And they've got this little bitty fire going in the library. And what do they make sure never goes out? <laughs> they, well, they make sure they don't burn the Bible. They make sure the fire never goes out because they know if the fire goes out, they're dead, right? And I think sometimes we forget this. We forget that what keeps us alive, what keeps us moving, what keeps us going without fear is the fire. Keep the fire burning. Fan it into flame. How do you do that? You learn the truth and you live the truth. We say a lot of things about the Bible. But you know what the point of the Bible is? To learn it and to live it. That's it. Learn the truth. Live the truth. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. It does cut both ways. And God taught me that lesson through a great kid named Philip. Let me close with this story. Um, Philip was a guy who came from Oklahoma to our, one of our youth groups. And he was this awesome kid that, like, his eyes bugged out every time he talked. Do you know people like that? I mean, they're into everything. They're like, how's it going? You're looking good today, right? And it's like, dude, drink decaf, right? He came to visit, and so we went to Carowinds with the youth group. We're going to go hang out. He'd never been to Carowinds before. And so all the kids were like, hey, let's go ride the Cyclone. And the Cyclone's that great, you know, coaster that... It was new a while back, and now it's not nearly as good as the Intimidator. But, you know, it's like a couple loops upside down, little corkscrews all over the place. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. We're like, why not, dude? Just go ride the roller coaster. He goes, oh, I'm scared of roller coasters. I'm, I, they freak me out, man. And I just looked at him, and I said, I got my youth pastor voice on, right? And I was like, dude, Philip, man, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, sound mind, and discipline. And he looked at me, and his eyes got real big. He said, then I'm going to do it. I like that response. You know, I kind of felt good. Like, I've connected with this guy. And it's great. I love people like that. Just instant obedience. You tell them the truth, and they're like, let's go. And so they go running off. I'm kind of hanging back with the other kids that didn't want to go. And they're on the roller coaster, and they go through it, the whole deal. And they come running back, this whole gang of kids, and he's leading the way. His eyes are bugged out. And he gets back to me, and he's, I said, how was it? He goes, it was awesome. We're going to go again, man. It's great. And as I'm kind of sitting there basking in the glow of the youth pastor who helped this kid overcome his fear, 
Carrie and Elizabeth, two girls in our youth group, 13 and 15, looked at me and said, hey, Pastor Paul, let's go ride the sky coaster. And I said before I could even stop myself, oh, no, I'm scared of heights. And Philip went, Pastor Paul, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Seriously? You remembered that? Like all the times you've been in my youth group and I've said stuff that was life-changing and profound and you can't remember, but you remembered that? Seriously? I didn't have a choice, did I? So we went to ride the sky coaster, which is an evil ride at Carowinds. If you've been there, you know. Don't even start with me there. It's like... You know, I get strapped into the straitjacket-like thing, and I'm in the middle, and, like, Elizabeth's over here, and Carrie's over here, and they get us in there, and they start lifting us up, and, you know, kind of, you go up and you fall over, which is, again, psychotic. So for the whole ride up to the top, you're looking at the place you will die. Makes no sense to me at all. I think they actually have a target. They had a target on the ground. It's like, wow, they've marked it so they will clearly find us when we're splatted on the ground. You go all the way up. You get to the very, very top, and it just kind of slows down, and then it clicks into place, which is enough to make you want to wet your pants because you're just like rocking back and forth, and you can see all of Charlotte if you were just willing to turn your head and look. At the very top, hanging there, this little man who looks like an ant at the bottom, he just looks up and goes, pull the cord! Do what? Pull the cord! You girls don't touch nothing. (laughs) Elizabeth said, Carrie, Pull the cord. Don't touch a thing. We're going to pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray you would uh, just forgive me of my sins and forgive me of, um, of Elizabeth's sins and Carrie's sins and any sins that we ever thought about doing but didn't do it. And I just pray right now you would cover me in the blood. But the blood of Jesus, not my own. In Jesus' name, amen. She pulled that cord and we started to fall. And I will admit it was fun. Right, for a second or two. And we get down, and if you've ever been there, you know, like, you fall down and you go out over the crowd. And there's this crowd of people that are kind of hanging out there because they have a stage, do concerts sometimes. Sometimes they're waiting to get on the ride. And they're just looking up at you like, oh, that's going to be so much fun. And I'm up there going, do not ride this ride! (laughs) We're out there, and then we came back over here, and we swung out over that crowd again. And as God is my witness, right there, 13-year-old Carrie said, Pastor Paul. I said, what? You can let go of my hand now. (laughs) God did not give you (laughs) a spirit of fear. And he will go to great lengths, even comedy, Funny situations just to drive fear out of you. He has not given you a spirit of fear. Now, how do we play that out? How do you feel yourself so you, are, you have more hope on the inside than the fear that you have? 
So if I have to go ride the sky coaster again, what am I doing to get prepared for that? What do we do? Let me tell you this. We want to think of magic pills, things that will instantly take care of situations. And what's the point of the Bible? To learn it and to live it. And I believe this. All the men in the house, look at me. I believe overcoming fear happens because we daily make a decision to learn the truth and live the truth. No matter what. No matter what we're asked to do. No matter how scary it might seem to us. And so when we get really scared, we start fanning that flame, don't we? <laughs> Come on, get bigger, fire. Come on, get bigger. Honey. Oh, oh, the line's getting closer. I'm fishing going sky coaster. <laughs> Come on, fan into flame. And then we're like, fire! Me! Fire! Right? And you get all this confidence and it's like, let's go. Fan into flame. And you fan it into flame by being reliable. Be reliable, men. Be the kind of man who says, I'm going to do this and you do it. I'm going to lead my family in devotions. How are you going to do that? I have no idea and I'm scared out of my mind. Do it. Just print off questions from the website and ask them to your kids. Just do it. Take a step. Be intentional. Don't think of all the times you tried to do devotions and you failed. Instead, make a decision to take your eyes off the failure and put them on Jesus. That's how you overcome fear in your life. That's how God fans into flame the gift, the grace that's in you.